This afternoon, congregation, we deal with Lord's Day 47 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 47. And there we confess the word of God as follows. What is the first petition of the Lord's Prayer then? Hallowed be your name, that is. Grant us first of all that we may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that includes you too, boys and girls. In Lord's Day 45, the first Lord's Day about prayer, you confess that you can ask God all things you need for body and soul. All things you need. So what is your first need going to be? What do you need most of all? I think if you asked around, you know, what's the first and foremost thing, thing you figure you need to ask God in prayer for, you, you'd get a number of different answers to that, a number of different needs at the top of the list. Health, others maybe happiness, is a big need. Um, others might suggest peace, prosperity. Should rank up there as pretty big needs. However, when the Lord Jesus Christ taught the Lord's Prayer, he didn't put any of those things at the top of the list. But the first thing he taught us to pray for is that God's name be hallowed. In other words, as you gather from Lord's Day 47, that God be glorified by us. The Lord Jesus put that first in his prayer because he wants the best for his people. And he knows his people. He knows what's most important for your life. And that is, too, that your life has meaning and purpose. You can have good health lots of prosperity and so on. But if your life doesn't have the right goal, all the other things don't mean a thing. See, the goal and the purpose of life is that God be made great by us. That's why he created everything in the first place. To be made great by us in everything in our daily life, both in health and sickness, prosperity and adversity. And you can think, for example, too, of John 17, which we read together. When Jesus was about to enter his most intense suffering, what was the thing he asked for? Father, glorify your name in everything that's going to happen to me now. That's what he taught us to ask for in the first place, the first petition, that we glorify God's name always and in everything. And with that in mind, I preach to you the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Christ teaches us to ask our Heavenly Father that we live in faith in Him in the first place, 
Secondly, live according to his word. And then thirdly, taking that all into account to live to his glory. In the first petition then, Christ teaches us to ask the Father in heaven that we live in faith in him. So that, that first petition, hallowed be your name, when you first read it or when you say it, it might seem like you're wishing something good for, for God. But it's a polite wish, but not a personal request to fulfill a need that you have. Something like, may your name be hallowed, O O God. But there's no need for us to wish that for God. God will make sure that his name is always glorified, hallowed. In the book of Kings, we're shown how the giant Goliath profaned God's name. And for the sake of his name, God let David strike him down with a stone out of a sling. And the whole Philistine army was routed. Oh, God's going to make sure that his name is hallowed and glorified. There's no need for us to ask him to do it for himself. What we do need to ask for, though, is that we not be like Goliath and profane God's name too, but that we bring glory to God's name. That's our need in the first petition, that we glorify God's name, give him due honor and praise. And that's, as we mentioned too, then, that is the purpose of our lives, To praise God's name. That's what man was created for in the beginning. Man wasn't created for himself, for his own sake. God created man for his sake. For his glory. To glorify him. And God has a right to be desirous of glory. He is over all. And so man's purpose and task on earth was to subdue it and fill it to the glory of of God, the Almighty. But as you know, with the fall, everything changed. And man's purpose became, it shifted from glorifying God to glorifying himself, to seeking himself, to live for himself. God's glory was pushed aside as the purpose of his life, and the result was that man began to seek his own glory and honor instead of God's. And the results of that are obvious in the world today. Man seeks himself. A man-centered life. A self-centered life. However, God in his mercy has made his name known again in this fallen and darkened world. And in the senselessness of man's existence after the fall, God brought his gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ into this world again. And so there is a way of liberation from that vanity, that senselessness of life. We can find the sense and goal and meaning of our lives again. It's because of the promise of a Savior that God again made his name known on earth. And when Jesus Christ came, he fully made the Father's name known on the earth again, as we read John 17. By his cross, he truly connected us with God again through faith in him, in Christ we can again begin to fulfill the purpose of our lives, namely to give God glory 
for all his wondrous deeds. Yes, through faith in Christ and his cross, we have purpose here. Our lives have meaning here. Our joy as well as our sorrow, our health as well as our sickness have meaning, purpose. Strength as well as weakness have reason again to be. Everything is for the praise and glory of God's name. And it's also that in every place and circumstance, the name of God may receive honor and glory and praise from our hearts and our lips. And see, that's what we ask for in the first petition of the Lord's Prayer then. Hallowed be your name. That means, grant, Father, that not our own interests take over our lives as has happened so much here. It's happened so easily also with us that we live for ourselves. But, Father, grant that your interests and the glory of your name becomes our ultimate purpose the ultimate reason for living and the meaning to everything we do. And we have to pray that, right? We need to pray that. That's a need with us, right? So easy for us to forget our real purpose in life. What am I doing here? Why am I going through this? Because of our sinful nature, we have a hard time keeping our life focused on the service of God and His glory. And it's so easy for us to become absorbed with this life to the extent that we basically just live for here and now and for our own existence. The world in which we live, the culture by which we're surrounded and which speaks to us every day through the media does not exist and work for the glory of God's name. It's full of people who live for themselves or for humanistic causes, for, for mankind, good of mankind. Secular society which wants to keep religion out of politics, don't mention God in the politics or in the art or the culture, is therefore man-centered in everything, not God-centered. Living in such a society makes it hard for us too as Christians to keep our hearts and minds focused on the real purpose of our lives. We so easily become absorbed by our own or humanity's well-being that we forget that God gives us all we have and experience it all so we can bring glory to his name. Young people, for instance. Young people, what does your life really center around? Maybe you know all the latest songs and singers and what goes on in their lives. Maybe you know all the latest details about your favorite sports teams or stars or or the latest movies that are out there. But these things, where are they putting all the emphasis? These things will pass away while the name of the Lord, your covenant God, endures forever. What do you really know about God and his deeds? As much as you know about all the stars and and the, the sports stats and so on, Are you so full of him and what he did that you want to know about him, sing about him, live for him? Oh, brothers and sisters, we all have to admit we fall short in knowing our almighty and gracious God and living for his glory, don't we? He made everything. He made us. He upholds it all every day. He gives us life 
As long as we have breath, he has shown us his power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth in his word. In particular, in the cross of Jesus Christ, as we remember here this afternoon with the Lord's Supper. What a meal of salvation. We should be full of the desire to know him and know him more and more. And then the desire that flows out of there to sanctify, glorify, and praise his name as we confess Lord's Day 47. That, that becomes the purpose of our life. Sanctify, glorify, and praise. Sanctify. That means treat with great reverence. Glorify. Boast of him to others. You want others to know him too. And then praise him. Full of the knowledge about and faith in God's name. You want to praise him with your mouth. Even with psalms in the night. As you wrestle with things in your life. Like the writer of Psalm 43. He was in extreme difficulty. He was being hounded by enemies. They mocked his trust in God. And he still sings. I'll praise his name again. And laud my helper and my God. See that's, that's what can be. Lacking all too much in our lives, can't it? As Christians, we too can be way too involved with our own pleasure, our own well-being, our own health, and so on to pay enough attention to the glory of our Father in heaven. That, that can consume so much of our attention. But that's why our Savior gave himself for us and obtained for us the life-giving spirit and taught us to pray, hallowed be your name. Father, fill us with faith and so with awe and wonder for you and your works so that we don't even want to seek our lives in the things of this world anymore. For this world and everything in it is perishing, is passing away. But that we seek our life and everything in you and our meaning, that we seek it in you and in the glory and praise of your name. Even when your hand presses down on us. We come to the second part of the sermon in the first petition. The Lord Jesus Christ also teaches us to ask the Father that we learn to live according to his word. Well, I'm sure it's clear now that in order to live for God and praise and glorify him, you have to also know him. Know him. That's expressed in the first petition too. The catechism paraphrases it this way uh, right at the beginning of that Lord's Day. That is, grant us, first of all, that we may rightly know you. How can we live for God and sanctify, glorify, and praise him if we don't know him rightly? How can that be the meaning of your life if you don't know him? Nowadays, there are people who say all religions present some knowledge of God, Islam, Buddhism, and what have you. Ultimately, they all worship the same supreme being, And there are Christians who reason the same way about different churches. Every church has some knowledge about God, but none none has all of it. So it basically comes down to worshiping God where you feel good about, about yourself. Because sadly, then you're going to end up worshiping God as you want him to be. Not as he really truly is. And then you ultimately worship yourself. But God wants to be worshipped according to his word. He wants to be known and worshipped 
according to that word, where the gospel is central. That's where you come to know God rightly and where you can praise him rightly. So church is important in this. But even as a member of Christ's church, it's sometimes hard for Christians to come to the right knowledge of God too. So easy for you to think, well, God is so forgiving, I can do this sin again and just ask for forgiveness again because he'll forgive me again anyway. And then you're making God after your image, making him weak, permissive, And who would really want to praise a God like that? But the opposite is also possible, namely that you see him as a wrathful God and he always looks at you angry. And then you're afraid of him all the time and you really don't want to praise him then either. So easy to live with a homemade image of God in mind and then we feel or reason that God is like this or like God is like that in our minds And then you don't really know God. And then you don't really, can't really serve and praise and glorify him either, rightly. You have to know, have the right knowledge of God for that. And that's so important, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that we come to the right knowledge of God from his word. That God is not who we think he is, but that who he says he is in his word. That's the important thing. So your devotions and Bible study shouldn't be a matter of, well, you know, we'll do it if we have time for it. And I know God anyway. So if that's the attitude, then eventually you're not going to have time for reading the Bible at all and knowing God any, anymore at all. There, there are always other things to do in your life. Work relationships, the landscaping around the house, and you realize that knowing God isn't just a matter of knowing with the head, it's also knowing with the heart. And lack of devotion shows lack of devotion to Him who gave Himself for you. Oh, our, our Savior knows what is in us, He has been here, He knows. And it's of utmost importance for us to listen to him as he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. What is important for us? That we continue also to grow in knowing God. And that's why he prayed in his high priestly prayer, John 17, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And a true child of God is never satisfied then either with a stagnant knowledge of God from his word or kind of a general thing. Oh, I know what's in the Bible. It's good enough. No. A true child of God will want to know him better and better. If you love him with your heart, you want to grow in your knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. You want to know your God and your Savior more and more from contact with the gospel, preaching of the gospel in church and the opening of the word at home to glorify and praise him and to grow in that. Praise him in all his works. And notice it says, Lord's Day 47, praise him in all his works. All is in his emphasis here. That means praise God not only when you see his glory and majesty in nature, or his mercy and his deliverance, but also when things don't seem to go good for you and you don't see his faith.
face shining on you as such. Do you still believe that his face shines on you then? Is your life also then a song of praise to God in hard times too? Because that's especially when he wants to hear praise from you. Think of all the Psalms when David was in trouble. All the Psalms he wrote up praising God. Even though he didn't have a lot of reason to praise him at the time. He trusted in him. Is your life a song of praise to God in hard times too? Like Job too. Job is a good example. He lost everything he owned as well as his children in one day. And he still said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord yet. It's not easy to say that if you lose your job or lose a child or find out you have cancer or if you're dealing with sexual abuse and its effects, there are so many questions then, so many questions on your mind. But those hard things are also the opportunities to give God the glory, still to give him the glory. And we can do that. We can do that. We can come to that in our struggle if we really know God from his word, not just from our circumstances, but from his word. And that's why Christ taught us to pray the first petition too, that we come to that blessing of our gracious God and accepting his wisdom and righteousness in all his works, even when he brings us suffering. So we come to the third part. In the first petition, Christ also teaches us to ask the Father in heaven that we live to his glory, that we can live to his glory. We already said a fair bit about the need to live to God's glory. I want to elaborate here a little bit on our need to live our whole life to God's glory. Whole life. God the Father, you see, isn't glorified by Sunday Christians, children or with children of his who talk piously and sing loudly in church on Sundays, but who are indistinguishable in their walk and talk from unbelievers during the week. He wants the songs of praise we sing here today to echo throughout our whole life, our work, our home, and everything this new week that we start today. The praise of God should then include our whole lives, our thoughts to begin with. If we think the same way the world does, then God's name is blasphemed because of us. And how easily we do that. You know, think like the world i.e., without taking God and his power and promises into account in your thinking. And that comes out, for instance, when you make plans. If you plan as if everything is in your own hands instead of in the Father's hands, that doesn't glorify him. Our Father in heaven knows our thoughts, and to a certain extent, we can't keep them hidden from our neighbors and our co-workers either. They come to know how we think about the issues of every day and how we speak about them. Do we glorify God with our thoughts, our way of thinking? Do we remember to add sometimes to? It doesn't have to be all the time, but I'll do this or that. God willing, the Lord willing. That's why our words are mentioned in Lord's Day 47 too. Other people listen carefully, more carefully than we often think. 
to what we say about life, about our work, about God, about church. And they hear also our criticism, our complaining, our cynicism. Do, we, do our words honor God, bring honor to him, lift him up? And last but not least, we confess, Lord's Day 47, the need to honor and praise him in all our works. If our works go against what God wants us to do, his name is blasphemed. If our profession and our life clash, it's blasphemy against God. And that's serious. And how we need to the sanctifying work of the Spirit then. Because we all have to admit that our deeds fall short of the glory of God. So often fall short of the glory of God. And then our neighbors and fellow workers notice. They notice that. Our children notice. They see what we do on Sundays. Also during the week. At work or at home or with our finances. How we manage them. They notice what we do on our holidays. And if we don't, if we don't live according to our confession. God is blasphemed before them. And they think or say, well, look. Those people are no different than unbelievers. They do the same things. God doesn't make that much of a difference to your life then. Is the conclusion they come to. And God is more grieved by that than if unbelievers commit sin. Because he bought us with his precious blood. The blood of his son. As we celebrate here this afternoon. And he did that so that he can expect from us now of all people to live for him with our whole lives. He expects us to do things in our daily lives with him in mind. At least to struggle to keep him central. And congregation, wouldn't that be our desire too if we really share in Christ as we, as signified and sealed here in the Lord's Supper today? That's what the Lord's Supper is actually for. To strengthen us in the desire to glorify our gracious God and Savior with our whole lives. Yes, we all fall short in that. It's our greatest need. But Jesus gave his blood to forgive us in our shortcomings in this, and he obtained for us the life-giving spirit so that we may be nourished more and more to be able to glorify God with our whole life. And that's why he also taught us to pray. He said, when you pray, begin your requests with this important petition. Hallowed be your name. And then this petition is also looking forward to the day when all our needs, and especially this one too, will be perfectly filled. And we can live perfectly to God's glory forever. Amen.